Nice. I found a new religion. I think I'm, I'm into. It changes every week. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. it Is it a cult? I'm waiting for you to join a cult. I'm pretty, pretty excited for that to come. No, you go with suit. Did you go with Baha'i? What is Baha'i? This sounds familiar. Uh, I don't know. I've been trying to figure out what they've been about for years. I don't know. I usually see them in towns that have uh, a lot of people that probably shop at co-ops and stuff. I think I've seen one in Atlanta. A Baha'i church. Huh. I have to do, I have to do my research. Just stick out in the pen for next week. Yeah, okay. Who are, who are you this week? Uh, this week it's the Abecedarians. Have you ever heard of them? The Abecedarians. I like that no. word. They were... Uh, sounds like I qualify, though. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> they were a 16th century German sect of Anabaptists who rejected all human learning. Um, they, ha- they affected an absolute disdain for all human knowledge, contending that God would enlighten his elect from within themselves giving them knowledge of necessary truths by visions and ecstasies. Um, they Terrence. also They also... <laughs> they also claim... Have you uncovered the origins of the dumb bitch caucus? <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. The founding constitutional document. <laughs> um, Do go on. They claim that to be saved, one must even be ignorant of the first letters of the alphabet. Whence their name, A B C Darians. <laughs> wow. Oh, I thought it was Obesidarians. A B C Obes. That renders my joke not. It wasn't good to begin with, but it was. It, now it's even less good. <laughs> now your joke is null and void. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So hold up. So like. So these people believe that that any human knowledge that like we just kind of like develop is like is like not like what is it not godly enough or it's not true knowledge and therefore only knowledge like you know ordained by God like is that what it is are they just yeah. like reveling in dumbassery I'm confused <laughs> I love to hear it you love to hear it reveling yeah, in dumbassery dumbass. so fucking so they're Jehovah's Witnesses basically. <laughs> <laughs> they um they regarded like learned male. men they regarded learned men who didn't who did any preaching as falsifiers of God's word. So they thought of it as a form of idolatry. Okay. Mm. I mean, I, I most culty things I can see how people could get swept up in. I, I think I could probably easily get swept up into a cult because I'm like, yeah, okay, I got it, I get it. And this is too. I'm like, yeah, I mean. Think about how you would explain this in current day terms. It's like we we had our last man splain, honey, and we just <laughs> <laughs> we will not. They declared mansplaining satanic. <laughs> Tanya, I want you to stop watching that Q documentary immediately if you can. Oh man, that should be Listen, wild. Yeah. You just over here you saying, all... "Oh, I could, I could see, I could easily get swept up in a car." <laughs> Yo, that documentary is uh, 
I'm not gonna lie, man. There were some parts where I was watching it with my girlfriend, and we both looked at each other like, man, they're like almost halfway there, and then they just like completely do a 180 with some batshit insane stuff, man. Dude, it has sizzled. I watched the first three episodes last night at like midnight. Bad idea. It sizzled <laughs> my last brain cell. My mom started watching it with me. She's, I'm going to bed. I don't get this. And I was like, me neither. And I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop watching it. Listen, Another convert to Bicedarianism. <laughs> well, uh, literally before episode three, when he got more like, you know, I'm only episode three, but I had, oh, this is a long story and I just don't think I should tell it right now. Do, should we get into it? Well, what is it? <laughs> I can't know if I don't know the story. You, yes, you, have to te- you have to tell the story for us to name it back. You just, also can't say that without telling the story. Like you already started. I'm intrigued. Let's go. Out with it. The thing is, one, let me let Sassy in. She's fucking scratching at the door. Get on my nerves. Hold on a second. All right. I'll, let me fill in some extra. Pro- so, Ebesidarianism was also uh, pushed by the Zwickau prophets. There are three men of the Radical Reformation who, um, one of them used the name Marx, actually, uh, giving credence to the idea that perhaps Marx is a reoccurring. Um, spirit entity across time and space yeah Uh, just like it's not a person but just like yeah just like a (laughs) radical entity that possesses people's bodies right in the beginning uh the earth was without form and void and the spirit of marx floated on the surface (laughs) genesis one two right they they rejected i've not i've never known that this is the actual word they rejected pedo-baptism which is just infant baptism. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Pedo baptism. Pedo baptism. They're like, I don't know why, but that prefix in the future is going to be fucked up, man. So we have to reject yeah. this. Wow. <laughs> ahead of their time. They got it. Yeah, they got out ahead of that. That is a good that's, way. So that's a Catholic thing, right? Yeah, that's actually a good way to tarnish. Well, not the Catholics care because they are actual pedophiles too. But yeah, if you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to say that it's bad, be like, oh, you you believe in pedo baptism? I guess yeah. yeah to which your Catholic respond would respond, well, yeah, yeah. definitely I do. <laughs> the least, the least of our worries. Sounds sounds like you just get baptized into a pedo church. Is what it sounds like. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. oh God. Like you become a member and they just sprinkle you. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Well, anyways, the Zwickau prophets. Um, so, what was your story going to be, Tanya? Well, <clears throat> this is another area where I cautiously wade into admitting how completely fucking dumb I am. So, uh, this was a good intro talking about the origins of my now religion, our now religion, Terrence. I'm joining your church of dumbassery. It it asks nothing Uh, of you. And in fact, it it asks that you... It demands it. It asks you to be nothing. Literally, (laughs) you empty void. Like, literally. I'm already there, Want to go to to heaven? You have to be a shell, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so close. (laughs) I qualify. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Tom and Terrence remember me asking questions that revealed how ignorant I am. I was about the QAnon shit. And because I remembered the first, I heard them talk about TrueAnon before I'd heard the words QAnon. Mm-hmm. And at, then someone was like telling me the like about Pizzagate, 
like in person a friend was telling me about pizzagate this is maybe like a fucking year ago like not that long it's ago it's funny because that word <laughs> seems like a relic at this point yeah. i know and i just heard it like a year ago and i was like whoa that's fucking crazy and they were like yeah cue on and i in my head was like but tom and terrence like that they they listen to that <laughs> <laughs> you guys because terrence you remember me asking you this i was like listen i need i need to ask you something right so you you but thought you thought me and terrence were members of a of a Pedo cabal. No, no, they're against the pedo cabal. Then, uh, yeah, against it. Against okay. I thought you all were QAnon. Right. A year it's ago. It's the defense of Trudeau. Because we lose. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I, I thought the two were the same. And do, Terrence, do you remember me asking I, you about this? I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's like Tanya just like sits down, like, hey, I, I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> I know. Hey, I think I have some wires crossed, and I need to ask you some questions. <laughs> With implications about, of whether we can continue doing this show together. Yeah, I, like, I have to ask you something about Haitian babies. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, God. You guys, I'm not well. I'm just not. <laughs> the times, they are not good. <laughs> so, anywho... Now, reflecting back on how how Terrence cleared that up quickly, obviously, and I was like, oh, yeah, right, 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 right. and there have been like tidbits, you know, like Epstein stuff where more things came to light. And I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Blah, blah, blah. And I was getting into the Epstein shit for a minute. You remember? Right. But I I just found out last night from the Q doc that. Q's just a person was just a person posting on here's what I don't understand we have spent our half our lives now trying to get people to care about mass incarceration climate change literally putting all the info out in the world we can uh-huh. titties ass everything we can think to draw in <laughs> the audience yeah. Did I miss titties for against mass incarceration? (laughs) Titties against mass incarceration. What's that been going on? That's my whole Patreon. (laughs) And I mean, I'm just saying, like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've, and you, you tell, you're telling me that one guy, one dildo, one keyboard warrior. It's putting out like literal cereal box level, uh, like Carmen San Diego style right. fucking uh, code yeah. on the shittiest website I have ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Anonymously, to the, just out into the void, words, you know, collections of words that mean nothing. And somehow millions of people are like, <laughs> I mean, super like, into it. Sw- like, like drawn in like moths to a flame right. to decode, to decode this Carbon San Diego yeah. fucking uh, bit script, yeah. whatever this fucking is. You think it's one person though, or you think, because I was thinking, me and my girl were talking cares? about it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. But if it's Who just like, it's, it's fucking true. It doesn't matter anyway. Because even if it's a small group of people, they're putting out like this, this 
I mean, just insane information, making all these links, like with the pen, you know, like taking a picture of this pen, and that's apparently the pen that Trump uses to right. sign documents and shit like that, and all these like Dude. seemingly like unrelated like things, and it's just like, yo, how are you drawing like, like you know what I'm saying, like a, yeah. a, a map of this, you know what I mean, that, that, based on random shit. It's so insane. That could be the appeal. There's nothing to decode about titties or asses. They're just titties and asses. And, pe- and it's so, not complicated. It's not enough. complicated enough. <laughs> Our- climate change is not complicated <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, though. People have been believing kooky shit since time immemorial. I mean, when I was a kid, everybody... My aunt to this day, and I love my Aunt Brenda. She's a wonderful woman. But my Aunt Brenda to this day will not buy Procter & Gamble products, not because of any sort of, like, imperative to, like, you know, vote with your dollars type thing, <laughs> but because it was believed in the 90s that they... uh donated money to the Church of Satan because they were a sponsor of uh, Days of Our Lives and they had an arc where one of the characters, Marlena, got possessed by the devil. Right. And they had that moon and stun logo. Yeah, I mean, it's probably even before the 90s. I think that that probably existed even before that, but that was like, that kind of like confirmed everybody's suspicions that they were donating money to the Church of Satan. Well, like, I just, it seems I just like don't the whole know QAnon you all. thing is just like a, a kind of like a launching off of like just something that set in motion with the moral panic of like the 80s and the 90s uh-huh. of people thinking that like, you know, there was like this satanic church that was like, you know, can, can, uh, eating children and, you know, shit like that. And I mean, essentially, like with the QAnon folks believing, except they're like Democrats and they're not entirely not wrong. I mean, it's not just the Democrats. It's like there's all of the ruling class. There, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's. I, I now that you say that, Tanya, it kind of makes me wonder that part of the appeal is this sort of idea that you are also involved mm. in uncovering the cabal. Like there is a sort of grassroots. Oh, uh, uh, everybody wants to be a little fucking pi. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and also. Yeah, and it's also fun to solve a mystery together. Yeah, you're it's solving like a your mystery. Own yeah. It's like choose one of those, your own adventure with your friends. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's <laughs> like one of those mystery parties or whatever where you get like twelve of your friends and you drink, you know, a couple of beers and I mean, but like that—that's kind of the—that's kind of the fun of it. <laughs> well, those classic mystery parties like we had in high school. <laughs> Just get together a couple of friends and a bottle of Boone's Farm and crack one open. That, by that, I mean a case. We've had a murder mystery birthday dinner ourselves, haven't we, Terrence? That's right. That's what I'm talking about. That that could be the fun, that could be the fun of it. The year I famously remembered your birthday wrong and had the wrong number of candles. <laughs> Ty, I'm See, gonna be 100 percent honest with you. You're not real good at birthdays. <laughs> It's not that I don't appreciate the effort. It's just I don't appreciate cleaning up glitter four years later. And I'm sure Terrence doesn't appreciate being 37. Well, to, to be honest, I don't hold grudges against anybody, so I've totally forgotten already. I've never held a grudge in my life. Not me. Okay. I swear to God, if you go before me, I'm glitter in your fucking grave. <laughs> I wish you would. I'll take a glitter bomb right now. I know. It doesn't do nothing to you. You'd appreciate it. <laughs> I love glitter. Swimming that I shit. I love Dude, That is an interesting... Uh, that's an interesting kind of dichotomy, though, Tanya, that's, that you bring up. It's it's why is this so much more compelling and um, 
resonant than actual problems. Yeah, resonant like, with uh, people than yeah than the than the actual problems. I mean, like because this this that are just like in their face. I mean, even then, have you all watched the doc? I've not watched it yet. No. Any of it. Yeah. And maybe this has all come out on True and On podcast. Hell, I don't know. I never did listen to it. That's the problem. Here lies the problem. <laughs> empty. <laughs> this is empty. There's nothing up here. A.B. Sedarius. A.B. Sedarius. April 8th, 2021, and we're still we're talking about QAnon. <laughs> In fact, we're still talking about Pizzagate, technically. Jesus. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I, th- this was how different my brains were working last night. I mean, one, I was like, there's just no way y'all are telling me a million people have been sucked into this little, this weirdo, this nothing. Listen, and it's a church, Tanya, okay? You have to be ecumenical, if nothing else. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, by, by halfway through the second episode, my brain was so sizzled. I was like, you know, Code Monkey could get it. Uh, wait, you mean that the what, Code what? Monkey? Code Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> name, the sh- shaman? Are you talking about the shaman? The Q shaman? Nah, nah. She's oh, talking no. about uh, the Code Monkey. Code Monkey. The boy. Who owns 8chan. He owns 8chan. Is he sexy? I don't know, but. No, no, no one, no. In, that, no one in that film documentary is attractive at all whatsoever. Like, I'm not hated, but they just, no, like, no. Okay. And then, but then he tries to get them to go to a soap thing in Japan. It's like, oh, God, you all. Anyway, let's bring this back and put a bow on it because I know nobody wants to talk about it anymore, even though I'm just catching up as usual. <clears throat> but it was. You know, 8chan is covered with, like, awful, nasty shit. Mm. It was, you know, it's just... I don't, I don't even know. I've never been on 8chan, but I know 4chan, and it's just worse than that, right? Yeah. Just like that, but <laughs> It worse. just gets worse. The next one's 16chan, 32chan. <laughs> <laughs> they just get more and more right-wing. 32chan. And they started asking all of these, like, big QTuber people in this doc, all the people who have all these you know millions of watchers on youtube where they're just talking about q fucking codes code drops or whatever and they're like have you ever been on 8chan and all of them are like no i don't go on there none of them have ever been on 8chan Uh yeah they actually just see these from other websites where they post Q stuff. Right. Like it's all like fifth fifth hand by that point. And the guy's like well, he asked this woman who has this huge following and he's like, Well do you know that they have like um child porn on of, there. Yeah, Something there's like, like that, child yeah. porn and she's like, No, there's not <laughs> Yeah. He's like, No, yeah, there is and she's like, I've never heard that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I it makes me wonder if it's got to be like several different intersecting phenomena, right? It's like our powerlessness as political subjects, like our, mm-hmm. our inability to actually influence the political process. And then the awareness that something is vaguely wrong, that there are powerful people out there doing bad things. And then, our again, that gets sublimated back into our own powerlessness in the face of corporate control, climate change, etc., and then that it's it's like a series of sort of dialectical processes and 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 i guess it's also partially fueled by the fact that politics is now entertainment 
but it can't be grassroots anymore. There's no membership in parties or anything like that. And so it allows them a sort of ability to participate in it with their friends. It's it's probably kind of fun in the sense that it's kind of fun to be freaked out and scared when you read about like mysterious stuff like Epstein or whatever. Um or unsolved mysteries in general. I mean, th- that is a huge genre. True crime, unsolved mysteries and stuff. Yeah, and the yeah. fact, the, yeah. the, the reason why is it's a mystery. And there's something about mysteries that are very compelling to people. But then add in the extra added ingre- ingredient of like either non-existent or sublimated class consciousness. That's really, I think, the big thing there. It's like everybody knows that they're powerless and and unable to change anything but their ability to pinpoint on the map where they're powerless isn't necessarily their position in the class structure as like working class or whatever it's just kind of this vague you know sea of there's elite powerful people and then there's the rest of the people you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah there's there's not like a, a sophisticated like blueprint of the class structure of american society it's just like us and them but I don't know. I mean, like, I don't even... Because there's a lot of... There's there's probably a lot of uh, different people in the QAnon orbit. There's, I mean, you know, there's probably rich people. There's probably poor people. There's probably working class, professional class people. Even it is Big Tent. <laughs> I will say, you can say, hey, say what you want about uh, QAnon. It's Big Tent. Right. Well, <clears throat> but now that we're in episode three... I feel like they're foreshadowing that it's going to come out that Q has been like a troll the whole time. Well, he's been. Is that what's going to happen? He been, Are we all going to? He's been like silent for a long time, right? Like I, I think he like went silent like over a year after ago. the election. The storm's coming though. Yeah, right. Don't forget that. But it's like I think, Q. Oh, it, they uh, thought it did for a brief moment. They had the Marxist idea that. That <laughs> the process of history would actually instantiate them into a position of power. They like literally did for a brief moment have the kind of Marxist <laughs> understanding of like the dialectical unfolding of history. Like this, this cannot end any other way but with us being in power, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking about when you were. Uh, they bring this up in the documentary, the history of it, but like. 4chan comes from like the, these Japanese like image boards that were popular like in the 80s and this is like during when Japan was like I mean already had been industrialized for like decades but I mean like you know with finance capital and like consumer technology and being like the hub like the global hub of that like you had a lot of like downwardly mobile like young men you know um, who were also like kind of I guess conservative because they were against the the free speech, what they saw as free speech crackdowns, uh-huh. right, in Japan. And I think these were all kind of ways to prevent anything from, like, you know, like imperial Japan and a, like, fascist sort of empire from, like, rearing its head again. But they were, these young men were, like, incredibly, like, outraged at all these, like, restrictions on free speech. So they went to these, like, anonymous message, image message boards and that's kind of where 4chan, 4chan came out of an 8chan and shit, you know? Like, all of these, like, I mean, frankly, like, incels, you know what I mean? Yeah. And people also, too, who were alienated and who, like, economically, socially, you know, didn't have any friends or any prospects for love. So, like, 
you know, they just dive into this fucking culture, man. It's like we're game that, girl. Uh, what is it? Gamer gate too, right? That's where yeah, that whole kind of yeah. thing comes yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. I learned about that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of this whole shit. This is the best part. I literally had to pause the doc and just sit there like. It was revealed to me that there's a whole place on the internet called Wizard Something where only virgins are allowed. What? Oh, yeah. Where it's like all these dudes, all these like virgin dudes just talk about how much they hate women. Oh, yeah. And the guy who was over it, the guy who was over it, he got laid and he had to leave. They ran him out. (laughs) Bye. I love you. Mom, will you close this door? Hey, Shayla. (laughs) Hey, hey, Tom wants to say hi. Hi. What's up, Shayla? (laughs) Bye. She's going to get her hair done. God, she's fine as hell. <laughs> she got catcalled in the grocery store yesterday because she was wearing a short skirt. Well, let me tell you, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> she said some creepy guy said, you are gorgeous. Yeah. And she was like, Still okay. Still <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, the thought that this guy was like living his best life as a virgin over he was like lording over all he was the wizard lording over all the other virgins and then he got laid and had to like come out with it and tell everybody oh sorry dudes i got laid and they just ran him out of dodge (laughs) how imagine being nervous to go to all your friends and be like uh uh, i don't know how to say this but uh Ah fuck! Got, got some, I, I know how. Got I some know. put on me. <laughs> it was put on me. Yeah. Yeah, I got kicked yeah. off, but I know, I know exactly how that feels. Actually, having been in the church, getting <laughs> getting pussy and then having to not be happy about. It. Think about what that then does being to the psyche. Think about what that does. Yeah, to the, the psyche. guilt. Be, getting Feeling pussy. Guilt. <laughs> Well, I think it, it uh, honestly, we don't have to get into the sex ed of it, but the mix of guilt and pleasure for the rest of your life is very bad. Oh. <laughs> it turns out really bad look, look how for young, out. impressionable children. Think of Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye's last salvo to the world was sexual healing. He had to marry the sacred and the profane because he's all fucked up about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and to make matters worse, then his own father literally killed him. Well, I mean, and then there's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. Well, you can be a part of our cult. Uh, you can be mentally a virgin. Mm. You can be vir- mm. uh, oh. having no no ideas having penetrated your brain. You can be untapped. Our, our <laughs> untapped, right? <laughs> Pure as the driven snow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, I don't know if I should finish the doc. Y'all think I for should? Yeah, I think you, you it's sizzling it. my brain. You maybe should, but maybe just sit out a few few days. You know? Yeah, you can't. Okay. You got to take it in like doses. Like, like. Yeah. I watched like this two morning. Episodes I one sat day. down. And I was like, I should, I should just keep watching it. And I was like, No, don't do it. Yeah. And I watched a movie instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it will it will damage your brain. I mean, it's a great anthropological sort of like survey. You know what I mean? From modern times, like. With all those uh, elements Terrence was talking about, but it is—it's—it's fucking crazy, man. We start watching it, and I'm like, man, I—I wish there was a way to like, like bring these people back from the brink, you know? Because conspiracy theorists seem to be—I mean, maybe easier to convert to some, you know, leftism or materialism because, like, there is a grand conspiracy. It's just not like what you think it is, you know what I mean? 
Right. I don't know. Are we are we back to winning hearts and minds? I thought we gave up on that. <laughs> I'm gonna be one million percent honest with y'all. I don't even know what the hell to do anymore. I don't even have that's an exactly. idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was about to ask. Like, I know y'all are joking. Like, well, here we are in April 2021. We're still talking about QAnon, but like they did storm the Capitol two months ago, and yeah. w- what's the ending here? Yeah. You know, like what's the culmination? Is this just gonna fizzle out? Like. Yeah. What did the birdie people do? Like, went online and shit posted. It got bad and probably voted for Biden anyway. These motherfuckers stormed the Capitol, man. <clears throat> we got our priorities mixed up, so what Aaron's trying to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we got empty brains, and now we got a a book. Did they have a holy scripture, Terrence? Uh, <laughs> let's start a book club. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think they just used the Bible. <laughs> Makes the wisdom of the world folly. So maybe they're on to something. Well, I mean, we may be out of ideas on what to do, but there are people that do have ideas. I I wanted to talk about something we briefly touched on with last week's episode. So if you'll recall, last week we had an episode about the gentrifiers in east austin trying to (laughs) stamp out the um the toxic masculinity in their community by that i mean people with low riders um wood grain bulls yeah (laughs) people experiencing joy yes um if you'll recall in that article i mentioned one of the recent battles in that community in that neighborhood was this um, party supply store n- called Yumpaline, which was bulldozed. The pinata um, store. Pinata store. Uh, with all the shit still inside of it. Um, the owners didn't know it. They were not given notice. Um, and uh, it was bulldozed. So I did not know this, uh, but I received a few messages after we recorded um from people who live in austin or around there who said who told me like the story gets even crazier um oh god and so they sit (laughs) pinata truthers that's um yeah so they sent me a story this is um from texas monthly um this is called the battle of the blue cat cafe how an anti-gentrification boycott became a proxy war between the radical left and the alt-right. Um, Is the Blue Cat Cafe the Cat Cafe? That's the Cat Cafe, yes. So, yes, if you'll recall from that episode, and, and before we get into Yo. this, I want to say there's people that have done, There's, I think the podcast Seeking, Seeking Derangements did an episode about this. I, I believe it's been talked about before, but I wanted to talk about it because it, kind of reminded me of some things that have happened to us living here in Whitesburg, kind of why I thought the movie Three Billboards outside Hibbing, Missouri, whatever, wasn't a terrible movie, because there Man, are moments... we're still taking heat for that. <laughs> there are moments... I've not seen it. There are moments in American life when 
larger issues, issues that spread across the geography, the spatial geography, and also the political geography of America make sense. But once they get crammed into the round hole of American life at the micro level, they become very weird and kind of like that emoji that like has the weird, you know, goofy face. That it, it, things just get very strange. Um, and so it kind of reminded me of this thing that had happened a few years ago, and I know we've talked about it on the show before, but it, this thing that happened a few years ago in our small town where a resident put a Black Lives Matter sign in their window, and oh, all baby. manner of chaos ensued. The <laughs> black police chief like went on a t- Facebook tirade against it, a queer, a queer employee of a r- local grocery store defaced it with an "All Lives Matter" thing on it. Like every part of it was so wacky and bizarre. Oh, the characters, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it became a proxy for these larger things that had happened in the national, um, uh, in national life. And as I was reading this story, those those kind of themes resurfaced. In the sense that, like, we, we enter into political spaces <laughs> with these ideas of how to change things. But then once they play out on the terrain, the shifting terrain of gentrification or local, local politics or community politics, they just become increasingly bizarre and unable, you know, you're unable to make any sense of them, of what's going can on. I, can I say something real quick? I feel like... While all that was going on, that whole skirmish, and if you remember, Terrence, that happened the night Christopher Dorner, like, yeah. the shooting in Dallas. Yep. That's what made it crazy. They all, that's what, the shooting in Dallas is why it all I remember off. me and Terrence walking back from uh, from doing our radio show that night, looking up and seeing the Black Lives Matter side, and just knowing that there, that was like a... A harbinger of things to come. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the thing is, the BL the BLM sign went up. She went to bed, and then the shooting. Happened. And then the shooting happened, right? And then there was news cameras outside from the local news affiliate with the fucking. I mean, the, this this story that I'm about to read isn't a one for one in the characters and stuff, but it is kind of reminiscent in the sense that, like I said. <clears throat> Once these le- things that make sense from the national macro level get then crammed into the space of the micro level, then they just be, they just kind of boil over into things that are bizarre and nonsensical. Well, one, one other thing I wanted to say about that real quick before you start is I think during that whole sort of time, it was the first documented case I ever heard of somebody using the phrase as a insert my identity <laughs> like i saw ty say as the as the black police chief i think right. it's funny nobody <laughs> consulted me about this as a queer member of this community i find yeah. it funny that you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, that yeah. sort yeah. of like set up yeah it yeah. was who i'm i'm blanking on who put who put all lives matter on there who the fuck was that i'm not gonna dox them on the show <laughs> no, we ain't, we ain't, but. <laughs> Um, well, you can just wait, text Terrence, me later, Terrence. Before you start, I was I was thinking, were you talking about the sign going up, man, and like how these like, like it's like 
I guess the only example I can think of is like it's like the the sign is like some sort of like like magic magical like relic from another dimension, right? That just <laughs> drops in, right? To like everyday people's lives. Yeah. It has so many contradictions bundled in it that we haven't resolved. Yes. It's not even a society, but within our communities. And the minute it's in this like, you know, this space, like our realm, it causes just chaos, man. It just fucks immediate everything chaos. Up. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That is destabilizes exactly, everything. Yeah. yeah, that is exactly correct. And often, if you'll notice, these happen in spaces that are. When we covered this last week, Tom used the analogy of colonization, and I never mm. really thought of gentrification that way. Maybe you know you can sort of you know make fun of me for that or whatever. But I had never really thought of it that way. But that's pretty much what gentrification is. Yeah. But yeah. we are in a scenario now where the old forms of capital are encroaching like like you know gentrification are encroaching or i'm sorry the new forms of capital like gentrification are encroaching on old political forms and communities and identities and that's kind of what happened with that uh thing we we highlighted last week and with what this is like and that's and that's what produces that weirdness i guess is what you're saying Aaron. it's like something drops in and it it, it, I don't know. It's got so many contradictions that it just boils over into something no. <laughs> nonsensical and incoherent. Um, so let's let's open up on the Cat Cafe itself. Um, on a recent Friday afternoon, the Blue Cat Cafe in East Austin hummed pleasantly with activity. Patrons lounged on couches or sat pe- pecking away at their MacBooks as half a dozen cats roamed freely over and around them. Sounds a, horrible. A server went from tape. <laughs> A server went from table to table with an iPad, taking orders for whimsically named vegan dishes like alley cat tacos and barbecue brisket. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. What? I hate cat? this place already. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. Like, I like one cat, two cats, okay? Three's a fucking crowd. You're right, zero cats. Brisket? No. I see what they were going for scat. there. But it's got the word scat in it. Come on. <laughs> um,. Apart from the cats and the feline-themed decor, the cafe seemed like just another shabby, chic, hipster hangout. Anyone willing to pay a $5 kitty cover could come inside, order a coffee, and play with the adoptable cats. The cozy atmosphere made it easy to forget that the cafe is ground zero for an intense public debate over gentrification, a flashpoint for long-standing tensions between the majority Hispanic neighborhood and wealthier, wider developers. It's a conflict that has now expanded beyond the neighborhood. Um, so, and then we get into the part that we talked about last week. This real estate company, FNF Real Estate Ventures, bulldozed the Pinata Supply Store. Um, they did not give the owners notice, um, and this caused an uproar, right? When we talked about that. So, like, the, the owners of the store were renting the space, the owner of the space sold it. And it got bulldozed before any communication made it to anyone. No. That's what happened? No, they, um, or maybe that is the case. It, it's not clear in this. That's a great, great question, Tom. It's not clear in this. It says, F&F Real Estate Ventures bulldozed the Pinata store. Um, Jumpoline's owners arrived that morning to find the store flattened. I don't think so. I think they literally bought the, the, t- the property that was on and then kicked them out. Mm. Um, because they had sent eviction notices to the Le- Leharazus who own the store after assorted lease violations. and Okay, so now they were renting off of them, and they kicked them out. Mm. Um, 
because the real estate owners were trying to you know turn this spot into basically a parking lot for a couple of other stores, one of which was mm. the Cat Cafe. Mm. Um, so then, you know, local people were outraged. They they protested, um, and then they settled. The owners of the store settled with the property places or whatever. Um, enter Rebecca Gray. Rebecca Gray was in the market. Um, she dreamed of opening... What the fuck a, does that mean? She... <laughs> She was wanting to, to yeah. She was wanting to fill one of these places that the real estate venture uh, company had set up. She Probably wanted to move shop. into one of them. Oh, okay. Mm. She dreamed of opening a cat cafe. Since hearing about two businesses, one in Montreal, one in Oakland, where patron patrons could sip cappuccinos and nosh on snacks in the company of resident felines. That is we have one. We have one of those here actually in Atlanta. I've been there before. <laughs> I, I, it's it, it's I, I don't like cats, but but I, I, if I like no, cats, I'm not a cat guy. I'm not a cat guy, but if I like cats, I mean it's cool, you know. You can fucking go pet cats while you read or drink. I don't know why people right. want to do that, but you know whatever. Um, so uh, she quit her job, uh, started her cafe, the Blue Cat Cafe, um, raised sixty two thousand dollars with a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign. And went into business with her business partner, Jacques Casimir. Um, within 48 hours of visiting the property in July 2015, they handed over the deposit and signed a five-year lease. The front of the lot, where Yumpeline once stood, would become cafe parking. Just how much Gray knew about the neighborhood's antipathy to her new landlord depends on whom you ask. <laughs> Gray says she knew... Fr- <laughs> Just by the way, I need to like interject here. Like, it is so funny how just oblivious this person was to all of yeah. this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you would have started business here. You should yeah. probably know shit, you know? Right. I'm honestly just still hung up. What does the health department have to say about a cat cafe? Oh, that's a good fucking question. <laughs> I'm that's uncomfortable with my own cat, who I love, getting on my countertops. It makes it grosses me out. I mean, they're coming We're in from a, a litter box. Battle Royale. Yeah, she's put her shit ass paws yes, on my yes, fucking Tommy, counter, yes. and I'm like, I I eat here, bitch. <laughs> yes, Excuse <exactly>. me. <laughs> what does the health department have to say about this shit? Uh. Well, the one in Atlanta, there was a divider. There was like a, uh, it was like a glass, like, like, I mean, it was a glass room, whatever, where you could go. It was separated from the general cafe area. So if you don't want to be with the cats, like I did it with It's a too. cat. It's a deprivation tank <laughs> yeah, you go exactly. into with the cats. <laughs> it's an isolation chamber, yeah. <laughs> God. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to keep up here, Terrence. <laughs> um, Jacques Casanova, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um... So anyways, yes, uh, on the cel- cafe celebrated its grand opening on October 17, 2015. The first patrons to arrive, many of them Kickstarter donors, were greeted by a line of protesters from the community carrying signs. Signs that read, hey hipster, don't be a pussy, pet your cat, stick your key on the jumps of Jumpoline. Um, the community, it seemed, was making good on its promise to boycott, and they wanted everyone to know it. When, two months later, the owners of Yumpeline reached an undisclosed settlement with FNF, Gray breathed a sigh of relief. The protesters, she thought, would now leave her alone. But neighborhood activists remained determined to carry on the boycott. Several of them, including veteran East Austin organizer Bertha Delgado, formed a group, Defend Our Hoods, 
or Defiende el Barrio. In February 2016, Defend Our Hoods launched a Facebook page that would be moderated by Chris Ledesma, a young Chicano activist. The group used social media to organize increasingly vitriolic protests outside the Cat Cafe. More than once, employees called the police to keep demonstrators off the property. Um, Video from (laughs) July 2016 shows a gathering of sign-carrying protesters lining the sidewalk, uh, and they're chanting, To all you white people, you look really fucking comfortable right now because you've got a small army of pigs to protect you. How does it feel to need an army of pigs to get you out of the fucking neighborhood? Get out. So things are things are um, escalating, you, you know, like that. I cannot get the visual out of my head of people <laughs> like with signs in front of this cat cafe and cats in the window. Just like <laughs> it, gets, it gets even more ridiculous, Tanya. It, 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 it. So anyways, um, buckle up. <clears throat> things are I mean, escalating. It's always, in any campaign. As we know, it's it's like it's always a process to figure out your main target. Yeah. And I just come to the conclusion that our main target is a cat cafe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you you do a community power map. Yeah, we're doing power mapping. It's like okay, yeah, we're gonna get these fucking feline people. And the central of this gentrification colonization effort is a literal cat, cat box. Yes, it is. It is like it makes you beg the question that you that you ask in every organizing effort, and that is, how are we losing to these people? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Truly. Well, that question will be more complicated here in a second. Um, oh, good. And perhaps for that reason, you could put this seg- segment. I I kind of wanted to put it under getting the goods, but I wasn't sure who actually got the goods in this situation. So there are no goods. It's unclear. No goods. It's unclear if there were any goods to get. There were goods, and they were bulldozers. They were pinatas. <laughs> yes, that's the only good thing in this whole story. Um. So, anyways, yes, the portrait is gradual escalation. You've got. Defend our hoods, uh, organizing outside the cafe regularly. You've got patrons kind of like, well, whatever. They want their cats and they want their coffee. You've got employees there also feeling like, I'm just trying to go to work here, man. You know, let me go to work. Um, It's And then the owner, Rebecca Gray or whatever, is, you know, also unsure uh, and apprehensive. And it's giving her a lot of stress. On the morning of October 21st, 2016, a few days after the cafe's one-year anniversary, Gray arrived at work to find the lock super-glued shut and fuck-you gentrified scum spray-painted in red on one of the exterior walls. Good one! <laughs> Later that day, about a dozen protesters from Defend Our Hoods arrived, many wearing red bandanas to hide their faces. Diane Ontiveros, who lives next door to the Blue Cat Cafe, witnessed a confrontation between Gray and the demonstrators. They were trying to walk her off her property so they could get a hold of her, but I ran over and pulled her by her hand back this way, she says. One gentleman told me that I would pay for that, and I think this is where I get off uh, the bus with Defend Our Hoods. Um, The 57-year-old Antivera says she found a dead cat in her front yard the following day. Um, Fuck. uh, They must have escalated tactics. I think they must have... Somebody got too drunk. <laughs> they got too drunk talking about how mad they were about the hood. And um, they went gremlins on the fucking cat. <laughs> no, God. no good. 
Days later, Gray was interviewed by a reporter for InfoWars, the far-right conspiracy-obsessed media organization founded by Austin and we're back Radio to QAnon. Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back to QAnon. Square the circle, yeah. Hosted by yeah. Alex Jones. Um, thanks for, to the resulting story, the Blue Cat Cafe suddenly became a cause celeb for the alt-right. Donations from around the world began pouring into... Oh, my God. <laughs> to, donations from around the world began pouring into the cafe's GoFundMe page. Um, I hope these protesters die a slow, horrible death, one donor who had chipped in $500 wrote. Those violent thugs are disgusting, racist, vile human beings. Uh, those violent they wanted people. They're wishing death on people over a cat cafe. A cat cafe, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what they're doing. They're preying on somebody's downfall. That's right. Yeah, yeah. in defense of a cat cafe. Yeah. Violent also, the, thugs w- are disgusting, know- racist, vile human beings. <laughs> I want to know if uh, this gray person, if this woman, if what, if her politics are even like remotely aligned with like these people who are now like sending donations so her business can stay like afloat amidst like you know the the protests. That you know? is an excellent question, Aaron, because it seems to me from reading the story that she didn't actually really know what Infowars was. They saw the story. Infowars saw the story, and they saw it as a manifestation of the culture war. What you know what I'm saying? So then they wanted to interview her. By interviewing her, they then pulled her. I don't really have any sympathy for this person because she's like a small business owner or whatever. But it is funny that they pulled her into the nexus of this sort of cultural battle, and then it became a a larger culture war issue. So yes, I don't think she really knew what this She's an AB Sidarian. That's what she sounds you're like. Right. She just knows nothing <laughs> at all. Terrence, you're so right. This is just like a snowball. It's yes. just like a snowball going downhill headed for hell. That's exactly In the wise right. words of our Lord. Um the Go- Stokey from Stokey. So the GoFundMe campaign then raised over fifteen thousand dollars. Um Grace says she didn't know what InfoWars was when she granted the interview. She says not that all that not all the donations were from Alex Jones's supporters. Blah blah blah. Um, Defend our hoods viewed Gray's Infowars interview and willingness to take money from Jones followers as confirmation of their worst suspicions. Mm. It just kind of solidified. This is just. It just yes, it's a snowball. And, and you know, you know, the infamous cat killer here was uh, was like somebody's. You know, some weirdo somebody was dating who brought to one meeting and then like <laughs> thought this would like help him get the, help that him get, get the goods. Yeah. yeah, he was gonna get the goods through like leaving this dead cat in a yard. Right. And I'm sure they spent, I'm sure Protect the Hood or whatever they were called, spent months trying to be like that. We're not with that guy. Yeah. We're not. We didn't do that. You know, <laughs> trying to like separate themselves from the cat death. Like, right. The intricacies of this are probably so bananas. Right. Like I said, it, we've we've all been there. It got trying to it, be like, yeah, I don't know her. <laughs> it got sucked into the wormhole of the culture war thing, and there was no underlying like class solidarity or whatever. I mean. I guess looking at this and, and based on my own lessons I've learned from organizing or whatever, like maybe a more expedient path would have been to try to organize the organize them themselves or with the workers at the cat cafe yeah. to come to some sort of uh, you know larger political vision here or whatever. I don't know. I, I've, what's done is done. You know, you can't you know play Monday morning quarterback on this and, and I don't even we also live. don't have all the details yeah, and I don't even live there and etc um anyways yeah they they uh 
Defender Hoods viewed her interview with Infowars and willingness to take their money as confirmation of their worst suspicions. Um, around the time of the vandalism, uh, Bertha Delgado began to distance herself from Defender Hoods. They were cursing, shouting out bad names. That's not the type of protesting that I was ever used to, and I've been protesting all my life. They were ripping signs off of neighbors' property, kicking things. That was unacceptable. The people that Chris Ledesma started to bring around the group were not people who were from the neighborhood, and that started to scare me. Um, then she got kicked out of the group. Inter so as you can see, the two sides of this are getting pushed further and further in opposite directions. Like, um, in the sense that the original founder of the Defender Hoods group like me, thought the cat killing was just a step too far. I had to get out. Um, enter in Rebecca's brother, Paul, an Austin security guard and Iraq war veteran who was curious, oh. <laughs> um, he was curious about the protests at his sister's cafe. Over lunch with their mother, Rebecca mentioned that the protesters could get out of hand, and Paul offered to come by, observe, and asked him to clear the property if need be. She accepted. He's in security. He's gone to war, she says, describing her thought process. He knows he's how to manage to crowds. War? It's a fucking it's... cat cafe. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is he? Oh, bad Terrence, come on. That's just insane, yo. Yeah, he That shows you how diseased her thinking is. Yeah. Like, and I get it, you know, with these, you know, they killed this cat and, you know, she's, she's scared. But, like, you're bringing in, like, a combat, like, veteran. What's he gonna do? Like bring like an AR-15 or you know an M16 right. with them to fucking yeah, like? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's oh. exactly what he's Jesus going to do. Fucking Christ, yeah. He was part of the famous Cat Cafe storming of Fallujah in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, um, it is kind of fucked up. What if it it, it would have been really sinister if you know that part on Blowback where they talk about like the troops that would go round up all the cats and kill them that belong to the relief yeah. people? He could have been part of them, man. Maybe Yo. they just maybe they just got somebody with some experience, right? Yeah. Um, shit. In June 2017, Defender Hoods learned that Comedy Central was planning to film the pilot episode of a new show called Power Couple at the Blue Cat Cafe, and announced the dis demonstration to disrupt the shoot. But when the protesters showed up at the cafe, they learned that the shoot had, shoot had been called off. Instead, they were confronted by Paul, who is the uh, Iraq War veteran and brother, and and three of his friends. A video shows a tense standoff oh between the four men, one brandishing a baton, and a group of protesters in bandanas and balaclavas. Did I say that right? Balaclava? I never know how to say that word. Balaclava. It's unclear who struck the first blow, but in the ensuing melee, one of Paul's friends was hit in the head and began bleeding. Police officers called to the scene use a stun gun to subdue a protester, etc. So we've got an all-out street brawl at this point. <laughs> an absolute Over cats and pinatas, bitch. <laughs> um, soon after the clash, Defender Hoods found an interview Paul had given to the alt-right podcast Exodus Americanus a week before the incident. Identifying himself as a far-right militant, Paul described how his sister, a, quote, sweet, beautiful, long, young white lady, had been menaced by Mexicans and communists. They hate her simply because she's <laughs> white. Hey, who, hey, who among us, you know? <laughs> this is, I think, perhaps the best sentence in the whole thing. They hate her simply because she's white, he told the hosts, before inviting, inviting listeners to come to Austin to help defend the cat cafe. <laughs> Man, they went out, they put it, they've like just, 
They put the bat signal up. Anybody that's pro-cat needs to be an Austin stat. Right. (laughs) Pro-cat, pro-what. Get down here. You just can't. White cats even better. You can't get a. (laughs) All white cats. Oh my god damn. You really you could, we we couldn't have made this up oh, I know. in any universe. And that's what made that's what reminded me of the thing that happened here too, Tanya. It's like you can't yeah. make this shit up. And it's like you said, Aaron, no. you drop it into the real world of daily social relations and it just it sets off some sort of like entropic implosion or something. It's like <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Um, oh, oh my god! So this is so fucking crazy. Great, Rebecca Gray claims that she rarely sees her brother and was unaware of his far right uh, connections. Again, knows nothing. Oh, it knows my nothing. God. Yes. <laughs> knows nothing. <laughs> this about bitch, anything. She, she's an ABC or whatever they were. She's just um, like an empty shell. I, she said, "I'm just so mad that he wasn't honest about what his agenda was." Um, Defend Our Hoods posted a link to the interview on Facebook. It has never been clearer, they said. Blue Cat Cafe on the ruins of Jumpaline is a safe space for Nazis and white supremacists. Um, meanwhile, all of the patrons at this cafe were almost completely oblivious to this. Like, I think several, Actually, several of the people they talked to had no idea that any of this was even <laughs> going on. <laughs> This same thing happened in Whitesburg, like around this same time. Remember, like somebody showed up with something on their jacket or vest or something, and then it's all over town that Summit City is just oh, Nazi sympathizers. Yeah, it did. That. Yeah, that's right. The same shit popped off, dude. This is fucking nuts. It was. Yeah, it, and it was like, some like dude. Everyone's a Nazi. Oh, what it was? Town. What it was was some dude had a Confederate flag tattooed on his forehead. What? Or something crazy. But he was just like, like this dude had been in prison for like whatever. Okay. Yeah. And he just like drifted in Summit <laughs> to buy a beer. Even Aaron's like, all right. Aaron's like, Aaron's like, eh, it's just called prison. <laughs> <laughs> you go to prison for any number of years, you come out doing anything. You know what I mean? I, I can't really okay, fall I get it. That <laughs> shit ruins your brain, yo. Like, he walks into Summit City to buy a beer, and because somebody served him a beer, then the the tale was that <laughs> Summit City supports Nazis. It was a safe space. Yeah, dude, I, it's just. Which oh. it's like, it's like, it, it, it also puts you in that like off footed position where like, okay, I'm not even defending some gentrifying ass small business either, but it's like the cat thing, man. It's like, come on. Well, it's it's. So I don't know. So, so Defender Hoods, the spokesperson said, um, if somebody crosses the picket line, they are accountable. Talking about like people who I guess work there and patronize the place, and it's like, mm. it's who this would go to this line. cat cafe at this point? Yeah, it's yeah. not a it's not a labor strike. It's just in a picket line necessarily. It's just a boycott of them, which is it has its own purposes. But I, don't hate I mean, at a it. boutique like place, like. 
like this 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 story is really interesting because uh when i used to uh, i used to canvas for the housing justice league down here in atlanta um and we were organizing around the Beltline, which is like this ring around atlanta that's supposed to include green space um some form of public transit in the future they said and like affordable some like some percentage of affordable housing but mostly it's just been like used by developers retail to like build all these like you know bars and boutique shops and like you know luxury like you know housing and shit and like this woman rebecca gray reminds me of like the gentrifiers that because we've talked to like you know people who live in the community forever mostly black and brown but sometimes you knock on the door and it's somebody who moved there like you know like within the last like year or something like that you know yeah and these people are completely like oblivious like they're the perfect like vanguard right something like this yeah because they do not know anything like they might have <laughs> right. black lives matter signs and love is love and all that shit but you start talking to them and telling them about like you know the the demographics of the neighborhood and the history you know and the racial history too and they don't know shit they're like oh my yeah. god are you serious i'm like yo you fucking wanted to move here how did you not look this shit up you i know? just bought a cheap house exactly exactly oh well Dude, i heard you know is, the property exactly... values going to go up <laughs> yeah. i heard i heard it's an up-and-coming neighborhood exactly yeah there are two things here to because it's like and and they're kind of opposite so it's hard to okay one you know like confederate monuments like visuals of colonization are significant and going after them like we've talked about this on the show like it's not that's not insignificant there's some mark's word that terrence uses about it i can't remember (laughs) but uh it's like this these are significant visuals Mm -hmm. of imperialism Mm -hmm. colonialism like is a cat cafe Mm. and you know what i mean and it's like it just so that's the one thing it's kind of like i get it because yeah it it is i i can totally see a cat cafe being like the last fucking straw and me losing every everything i have and just like you know like you know fight nazis on the lawn or whatever whatever it come to just (laughs) because i lost my shit over the pinata store like i see i see a pinata bulldozed and that's it that's it's over you know i can see how that's just like yes (laughs) you know on the other hand it feels like a bunch of peons fighting while everyone else is making money like kelly isn't getting isn't becoming a millionaire off the fucking cat cafe well even though she's a or whatever her fucking name is hmm. it's like all these the the people who like are running this city and the cat cafe is going to create millions for them in condos or whatever uh-huh. bullshit yeah. they are going on about their happy business why this this crew of huckleberries fucking duke it out in the street and who cares yeah they're, they're like they're like sitting they're like standing looking out the window and like you know their high-rise office like looking <laughs> at the peons on the street like you know what i mean like the toiling masses you know I mean? yeah yeah Th- that's why it's the terrain on which it's fought that is what makes it absurd i mean like even if it was a cat cafe even if it was something more absurd than a cat cafe like a earthworm cafe What's or something more absurd than a cat cat cafe. Cafe. <laughs> I don't know. um but you see i mean like it's the fact that i don't i don't know i let me just read this. Let me you, this th- i mean you couldn't get a better visualization than this part. February 10th, 2018. Defender Hoods organized a picket line outside the Blue Cat Cafe to mark the third anniversary of the demolition of Yumpaline 
which found another home on East Cesar Chavez Chavez in July. More than a dozen protesters set fire to a pinata of a man wearing a Make America Great Again cap, a Nazi armband, and a shirt emblazoned with the image of a cat. I mean, it it all feels kind of like symbolic to me, but also I've really got to question this because... This group is now affiliated with like um, that Red Guards group. Are y'all familiar with this? The Red Guards yeah. Austin. Uh, they like they do. Go ahead, Terrence. They're self-described Marxist-Leninist Maoist collective, but and they like do a bunch of shit. Like, I think they like trashed a DSA office or something like that. Or fuck? you know what I mean? Like they're just. Yeah. They seem to me like feds. That's yeah, the impression I get. Yeah. Bunch of troublemakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they disagree with the Big Ten approach of the Democratic Socialists of America. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the, I think the cafe is now closed. I think that she finally did throw in the towel. Shocker. Not that long ago. Didn't stand up in the market. Right. I honestly, even the whole time we've been talking about this, anytime I think or experience or read about gentrification anymore i can't help but think about brianna taylor and Mm -hmm. how many brianna taylors there have been that we will never know about Mm -hmm. that were literally killed to get out of the way to like clear space for development cat cafes yeah 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 i mean i yeah I, i guess my interview i mean my i don't know my take on this is um it all just seems a bit unnecessary. Like, maybe there is a better way to go about it. But then again, I don't know. It's like I said a minute ago. You can't really Monday morning quarterback it. In the moment, things make sense, and you got to do what you got to do. And then afterwards, you got to reflect. Um, but it so is did kind- they claim that victory when the Cat Cafe shut down? I would assume they probably did, yes. No, they planted the red flag word. Right. <laughs> But I guess you could say that the the right the alt right people also may have seen it as a brief victory for a little, for a, for a time. I mean, they raised all this money in support of it. Uh, they got to do their street brawl, which I guess is what they really want. I mean, propagate the culture war. Propagate the culture war. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's why I say I don't really know who wins here. <laughs> like, no. And also uh, create the fodder for us to write a uh, crash-style horrible tale about uh, race and gentrification. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's right. going to make this called, into a movie. It's going to be called Crash 2, Austin. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. God, the Cat Chronicles. Yeah. Um... Well, I don't know. Anything else you guys want to say about this? Um, my sugar finally dropped, and so I'm, like, shaky and hungry now. I'm sure I had something more profound to say about it at one point. But <laughs> Were you just losing it when you were uncovering all this, Terrence, getting these DMs about it? Were you just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was rolling in. It was rolling oh in. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, this is just, like, I don't know, man. I feel like we're going to be seeing, Not, I mean, maybe stuff like this has always happened, like these weird little like many like battles like like commute like small community like spats that are like emblematic of i don't know what neoliberalism like gentrification all that bullshit but like i feel like we're gonna see more shit like this especially with the right wing the q people i don't know about that maybe but just like the, the still trumpers you know 
wanting to push this culture war with Fox News is of the world and shit like that of America. So I'll, I don't know, man. This is just like one small, absurd example of like something much larger. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it it brings me back to this question about targets again. And like, mm-hmm. as we roll on, what does that look like? And because we are getting like the not just the wealth gap, but the power gap, yeah. like all of these gaps, like we are further and further away from our enemies physically. Yeah. Like they are behind such secure closed doors at this point. Um mm-hmm. And they are frail. They're on death's door. Like, how do we actually target? Like, how do we actually not only identify, that's the probably maybe the easier part, but like go after the right targets? Yeah. Like, and it's, I mean, like Tom said, what are we, what are we fucking doing? And when we don't do that, like, we like, it's like what happened in that community where all the sides, like, are like, you know, entrenching further and further into their positions where they're becoming more polar. You know what I mean? And like, it's like we end up like I don't know maybe that's just like an expression of powerlessness right where like instead of like actually going after the real estate developers and like local you know uh, politicians who probably approved of all of this you know what I mean like instead you end up fighting people on a cat cafe lawn. That's insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, you could, and then probably most of the people in the neighborhood had by the end of it were like a all bad people on all sides exactly. shit. You know, they were like so all these people need to get is. the fuck got, out of here. There's good people on both sides. It is <laughs> uh, true. I think the the thing Terrence alluded to earlier with like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and our own situation is you know there's things we could uh, agree on that are objectively bad. I mean, you got. Nazism, the cops, cats, Tennessee volunteers, hey. but but when you plug things in, like the cast of characters in, and the situations and everything locally, you can just throw everything you think about morality and everything else out the window, you know. So, Pierce Terrence's had had heard enough. <laughs> the sugar dropped too low. <laughs> <It's> sugar. <laughs> The sugar bottomed out, and he hadn't heard enough. <laughs> Take his own E now. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Yes, my sugar. Damn. Did you hear anyway. his third? I'm back. My sugar dropped. Yes. I, I, just want- <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to add to what you were just saying, Aaron, is that you enter this sort of like political terrain, this like arena, and it's like everybody puts on costumes. It's kind of like the 18th Brumaire. Like you put on a costume of something that is recognizable to you and to other people and to history, and then you play it out. And it's going to be nonsensical in in you know, you will have what you think are victories, but is it a real is it a victory in the long run? I mean, cuz you're not targeting like as you said, the politicians that signed off on this, the uh, the actual capital behind the real estate, whatever it's in. I mean, you could even target the small business owner herself. It, that wouldn't be uh, unproductive. I mean, like yeah. I said, through some sort of like unionization or or, or organization of of or other service workers that can then mm-hmm. leverage their you know labor power against them. But um, but yeah, once you enter it from this angle, um, it it just it just becomes something that doesn't. Uh, I mean, it's familiar to us because we know all these characters and we know all these themes and we know all of these, uh, you know, uh, lines and scripts. But it, it it ultimately doesn't 
go anywhere, I guess. I don't know. I hesitate saying all these things because I I have been personally involved in stuff like this and I know how like messy it gets and and you don't, you know, you do what you can in the moment and you don't mm-hmm. know if it's going to win or lose. Uh and like I said, you learn from it in the process, but um I don't know. I guess it's the I guess it's the fact that it's ultimately a cat cafe, I guess is what we just keep coming back to <laughs> yeah. in the end. Yeah. It's a fucking cat cafe, man. Uh, what'd you say, Aaron? No, I just said a fucking cat cafe, man. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. It's cat the, cafe. This last line down, of defense yeah. against gentrification. That's right. <clears throat> well, um, so anyways, I, I I think that about covers it. Do you guys have uh, anything you want to plug or say? <laughs> no. no. I'm going to Dollywood this weekend. Well, For real? Wow. <laughs> well, have fun. Um, <laughs> Let's hope I'll make it back alive. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll see. We'll see how Ruby's feeling. Hmm. Well, there's a. She'll go to Doggy Wood. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there's boy. a Patreon um, for us that I don't know if you're aware of. You probably are, but just in case you aren't, go to Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. You'll find us there and you can sign up and you can get an episode every. Sunday with that mm-hmm. payment. Um, so please go support us so we can keep doing stuff like uh, Cat Cafe content. Maybe by Sunday, Aaron and I, Aaron and I will have finished the Q-Doc. Yeah, the Q-Doc, yeah. We can pick up where go. we left off. <laughs> I'll try to get through it tonight. Then tomorrow. See if Code Monkey can still get it after at the end. Oh, God. God All those people that died What a freak. They're all horrible people. <laughs> There's no redeeming characters. Nah, there is that one guy. It's the one guy who finally got pussy and like you know he uh he he came around he and was like it oh like he fell in love and got some ass and came around and was like oh this shit's horrible. <laughs> yeah, he's like this all sucks. I got a wife now. Bye. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Uh. Oh, all right. Well, on that note, uh, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.